This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. guys and welcome to the chasing tales outdoor podcast where we try and inspire you to get outside and chase whatever outdoor passions and adventures you've been thinking about but maybe you haven't done or maybe it's just a beautiful day outside and you need just that little extra motivation to get out into the outdoors and enjoy yourself whether that's hunting or fishing and we hope to do that by providing you with awesome outdoor experiences stories from people all over the world and including our own adventures as well so thank you for tuning in This podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Wild Edge Inc. They are the maker of the simplest, most versatile climbing system in the outdoor world. So if you need a way to be ultra mobile in the outdoor woods when you're chasing whitetails, check out the Wild Edge system, www.wildedgeinc.com, and use the promo code CHASINGTALES10, that's CHASINGTALES, T-A-L-E-S, one zero to save fifteen dollars on any set of steps that you may order we've got big things planned for 2019 i've got an elk hunt out west we're trying to line up some diy hunts in different states outside of the state of florida if you find value in the show and you would like to support chasing tales its growth its reach and its ability to bring content to you from all over the place we have set up a patreon account you can go to www.patreon dot com forward slash chasing tales outdoors or just click on the link down in the show notes i put it in the bottom of every show notes you can choose to to sign up and contribute and that money goes directly to the production of this podcast it offsets the operating costs that we have and hopefully it'll help fund some of these adventures that we have planned if you would like to contribute 
please check out the Patreon account. It would mean the world to us if you would donate directly. Now we should get to this week's episode, but before we do, I'm going to close this out with a brief word from our dear friends at the Sportsman's Alliance. If you're new to the podcast or if this is your first episode, please go back a couple episodes and listen to the podcast that we recorded with them. The Sportsman's Alliance is fighting for our rights to hunt, fish, and trap and enjoy the outdoors on our public lands, on our private lands, and they have an incredible success rate in the court system. So here's this week's message from Sean Curran of the Sportsman's Alliance. The Sportsman's Alliance is uh, we're a nonprofit organization, uh, but we were founded you know, in the late 1970s in Ohio, there was a ballot initiative that sought to ban all forms of trapping. So they knew that if they could take their agenda to Ohio and and win on this issue that's very near and dear to them, that they could then take that and plug and play in other states. Um, so a group was organized to run the ballot initiative on behalf of sportsmen. They ran the campaign. They did an outstanding job. They succeeded and they defeated that ballot initiative, but calls continued to come in from around the country to these these folks from other states having similar issues. So there was a need. They took the appropriate steps and they formed the organization and they said, well, let's let's specialize in these things. And so that's how our organization was formed. That's what we've pretty much focused on the last 40 years has been protecting and advancing the American traditions of hunting, fishing, trapping, and the shooting sports. And so that's that's kind of the who we are and what we do. That's kind of our, our specialty is we work in the legislatures, we work in the courtroom, we work at the ballot box, and we do work in all 50 states. And I hope that after hearing this and listening to the previous episode, you feel compelled to join the Sportsman's Alliance like I have and like many of our listeners have to help support our outdoor hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. What's going on, Chasing Tales Outdoors? Uh, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. We're super excited and glad you decided to tune in to listen today. Today is going to be a unique episode in the fact that Walter Lee, the host of the show, is not going to be on today's episode. He actually sent me one of his mics so I could interview a great friend of mine. So today I am going to have the privilege of interviewing uh, a buddy that I have been hunting with for the last probably uh, 10 years. His name is Mike Tringali. How are you doing, Mike? Good, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, How's your uh, turkey season going so far? Uh, Good, good. Got one down, trying to get the next one. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, I've actually, I'm actually tagged out right now. Uh, (laughs) It uh, I before the season I was wasn't feeling it, and then next thing you know, in a couple of days, I've got two birds down. So I'm gonna try to save those stories for another podcast, kind of like a season recap. Before we get started on this podcast, because you had a unique turkey hunt last year, which yes. I thought was really cool, and I've heard you tell the story myself four or five times to other people, and you told it to me that day, so I know all about this story. But it was really cool and unique, and I wanted you to come on the show and talk about that because I think the listeners would think it was uh, something cool that happens in, happens in the woods, and I had never heard of anybody doing that uh, in this area. But before we get into that, why don't you give the listeners like a little bio about yourself and maybe how you got into turkey hunting? Okay, yeah, sure. So uh, growing up in Virginia, um, my dad and I, the only thing I really ever hunted was um, turkeys, ducks, and doves. And actually, to my recollection, I don't remember ever shooting a turkey or my dad ever shooting one. We literally would go out there in blue jeans and some sort of green shirt. And I remember sitting there with a box call 
And my dad had that, and we would use that, and we would hear stuff gobble. I do remember hearing stuff gobble as a kid, uh, but I really don't remember ever shooting anything, ever. Um, ducks was a different story. We got lucky on some ducks and doves. My mom was apparently a much better dove shooter than my dad. Um, and then, um, we moved down to Florida and I really kind of lost track with, uh, hunting at all. I'd never even hunted deer. Um, nobody in my family ever really did. Um, and then one day we ran into each other at work. You were like, man, you should, you should maybe think about doing some deer hunting. So I got into that. And then next thing you know, uh, turkey season came around and you're like you need to get a you need to get in the woods and do some turkey hunting i'm like all right let's do it there's a story here i don't know if we can if we can tell that story about turkey hunting our first turkey hunt together it might have been our first yeah i think it was the first time we had ever uh, turkey hunted together yep uh, i remember you specifically talking about how you had gone out to this property that you had permission to hunt on yeah and you kept telling me that you were hearing this bird that gobbled like crazy every time you would go out there, but you never could get on him. Like he was hinned up. And I was kind of like, oh, cool. Well, I think I can help you out with that. Uh, maybe I can go out <laughs> with you. And it was getting towards the end of the season. So it was crunch time for yes. killing a turkey. I think it was like, it may have been the very last week of the season. It was getting close if it wasn't. That uh, we went out. So this would have been our first turkey hunt together. And we, I think we decided like, hey, we're going to go in because you kind of knew where the bird had been roosting pretty much the whole season. And he was right. kind of difficult to get to. And we decided that you would sit under one tree and I would sit probably, what did I sit, like 30-something yards, yards away? Yep. So that way if he flew down, maybe one of us would get a shot uh -huh. at the bird. The funny thing was is I think you actually sat on the tree that the bird was roosted in. I was I close. Correctly. It was, it was, you were really close. Like when he fired off that first time in the dark, I was just like, oh, my goodness. We were, I mean, we were right on top yeah, of he, him. We, I, we were within 10 yards. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really close. I remember him gobbling. Like I said, he gobbled like crazy. That's probably the most gobbles I've ever heard out of one <laughs> particular bird. Right. I don't know how many times he gobbled, but it had to be three or four hundred because <laughs> he was one of those birds that would like double and triple gobble pretty much every time. Every time it wasn't like a single guy. He was always seemed like he was just fired up that day. But he he had some hens with him that morning as well. Two. Two. I think, yep. I'm pretty sure he had two. Yeah, when he, he had flew a couple down. of hens there. We were kind of by this field edge where some cows kind of came in right to where we were. And right. I was like, oh, this is going to be messed up. He hasn't even flown down yet. Yep. And some cows started moving in. I'm like, oh, this this hunt's probably over before it even gets started. Because I was like, he's just going to flush out, like, way out into this field. And lo and behold, he flies right down into the center of those cows. Right into the center. From what and I, I was remember. I was less than 20 yards away from him. And you were looking at me like, why aren't you shooting? I know I could feel it. I couldn't see you, but I could feel it. I was like, he's wondering why I'm not shooting. Right, because we had different vantage points because I was – and I had my call out. And at the time, I mean, we were both kind of new into turkey hunting then. Like you say, you hurt turkey hunting a little as a kid. This may have been maybe my second season turkey hunting, and I had like a H&S strut pot call. And I was just over there. I was hitting it, and I was – I believe I was putting or doing some cutting. I was cutting. I just started cutting like crazy because he was gobbling so much. And I was – I literally hit – I remember hitting that call for like two or three minutes straight, just cutting. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> just making noise. And he would gobble. He would fire off, double gobble, triple gobble every time I would hit the call. And I'm like – but he just stayed out of range. And I'm like, I couldn't see him, 
but you probably could have from yep, your vantage point. I could from my vantage point. At that point. point. And I'm going, I was like, well, I, I was like, he must not be able to see him. At one point, it sounded like he was starting to go away from us. He like, was. Because like I could see he was starting to follow those hens. Right. I was Because I think I caught a glimpse of him for a second. I was like, oh, it sounds like he's getting further away from us. I'm like, we were so close when he flew down, but the cows were in the way. I was like, this, this hunt's probably going to be over. But I just kept calling, and he would still gobble. I remember he just – Literally, he gobbled, folks, every time we even thought about touching the call. I think the bird would gobble. Now, check me if – you can tell me if I'm lying, but wasn't it like at least 300 times? It was – I thought it was at least 300, maybe 400 times. While he was out in that field, he gobbled a ton on the roost. I mean, he started gobbling in the dark. That's when we first knew where he was. Uh Uh-huh. To nothing. It's not like we hit uh, one of our calls to try to get him to gobble. I'm I'm pretty sure he just gobbled on his own. And you had been hearing him gobble a ton anyways. He was just one of those birds that – I just could never get back to him until I finally cut a path. Right, that's right. I remember it was, like, super thick. He had a path back there. So all this is going on. (laughs) I can – all of a sudden, I lay eyes on the bird now for the first time, probably at, like, 25 yards. Like I said, you're 30 yards away, and I – from my vantage point, I'm going – I've got my gun up, and I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give him time to shoot because – you had never shot a bird, I don't think, up to that point. No. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give him a chance to shoot. I was like, this is his technically his hunt anyways. So I just I kind of encringed on it because I was like, oh, well, it's, it's at the end of the season. Somebody needs to kill this bird. And I think I had killed maybe one bird already that season. I remember seeing the bird. He comes out, and I'm like, oh, that's a nice bird. And Because I hadn't really laid eyes on him other than when he first flushed down. I'm like, oh, he's a nice bird. I'm like, well, he, and he kept walking, and he was kind of doing that thing like where he was like looking back. Like he wasn't really strutting. I don't remember him strutting. He was just like walking trying to find out where those where that noise was coming from. Yep. And I've got eyes on him, and I was like, okay, he goes behind a tree, and I'm like, okay, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, Mike, shoot now. And then he would go a little bit further. I'm like, okay, he's going to shoot now. And then you didn't shoot. And I'm like, okay, he's going to shoot now. And then I finally got to this point where I'm like, well, he's getting far enough away from me that I'm not going to have a shot. And I was like, well, he must just not have a shot. I was like, either he's behind something or he can't see him. I, I didn't know what was going on because you were 30 yards away. So all of a sudden, finally – I'm like, okay, it's now or never. Boom. Of course, I pulled the trigger, dusted the bird. <laughs> He's done. I remember you walking up. He's like, I was just about to pull the trigger <laughs> on that bird. And I was like, of course, you were just about to pull the trigger on that bird. So that was pro- at that time, that was definitely the coolest hunt I'd been on by far. Probably still one of the coolest hunts I've I'll ever been on. I'll tell you what, that's one of the, the prettiest goblin. birds. Oh, he was I've beautiful. ever seen. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he had that beautiful green sheen that you see, that olive color. It really popped on oh, this yeah. bird. Had a had a beautiful fan. Um, I think he had. I think I remember he had like a ten and a half, eleven inch beard, and maybe inch and a quarter spurs or something along those lines. Um, yeah, he was he was definitely a beautiful bird. Oh there, yeah, there's no doubt. He had that big old white head. I did. I do remember seeing that his head was like just white as paper when mm-hmm. he when he came in there. But I mean, it had to be. He was so fired up. Yeah, I think he just liked hearing his voice. It's like, I, yeah, he was definitely a narcissistic just bird. Like hearing themselves <laughs> gobble. <laughs> People say that about me. I like hearing myself talk. So maybe, <laughs> well, that'll be uh, perfect for this uh, podcast then. But yeah, that was like our first encounter, and we have gone on bunch of hunts since yeah. since then together. Now these last couple of years since we've had kids and we've kind of haven't been able to get out and and hunt as much, and you're hunting some kind of semi-public land now where you yep. can't take a guest, which makes it more difficult because you were in a hunting club for a little while there. Right. But that place was like a gold mine for turkeys. Oh, my goodness. That was one of those places where, like, every year it seemed like you were tagging out super early. Oh, yeah. Birds are always gobbling. And they were all big birds, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can I can remember specifically a time where you and I got together and we pulled a double. Yes. For that the day. was 
that's one of my favorite hunts. The second, maybe the third favorite hunt I ever had was that first one that we did together. Right. And this one and then the story that we'll tell later are my two favorite turkey hunts. Right. Yeah, that, that first one's still ingrained in my mind. It still seems like it was, even though I looked, I think there was a memory or something on Facebook that came up from whenever we killed that bird. I think it was nine years ago now that we killed nine that years the, ago. the bird Jeez. that gobbled. 300 like a, times. Like a son of a gun. <laughs> But yeah, nine years. It doesn't seem like it was that long because I can. I still feel like I. I'm, I can relive the hunt like it just happened a couple yeah. of days ago because it was just. It was just that cool, and I had hadn't ever really experienced anything like that in the woods, turkey wise, up to that point. You said you've already had some success this season. Kind of want to talk about uh, your hunt the other day because you just recently killed a bird this past weekend. Yep. Uh, yeah. That was. Yeah, when, that was this past weekend. Yeah, that was uh, Sunday, Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Right. You went out and killed a bird. And this is this is an area where, like I said, it's kind of semi. I call it semi-public. It's what so it is a management people, area. It's it is a wildlife management area, but it's one where it actually has members. How many right. members does it have? I want to say right now there's about two hundred. About two hundred. About two hundred members, and they all pay a fee right. to be in there, and that counts for a whole year's worth of right hunting. Right. Right. So that's deer, and all the way through June. Right. It's a, it's a big chunk of property but some of the areas are drive-in some of the areas are walk-in obviously it's uh it's got a good mix of kind of florida what i call florida it's got some swamp it's got some pines it's got oak hammocks um it's it's got plenty of that and where where we're hunting we're kind of on that zone of the like eastern osceola zone technically what we're killing is they call it Osceola's according to the NWTF, but it's still kind of – it's right there on the border. What are we, like 20 right. miles south of the actual border? The birds we're talking about are technically Osceola's, I guess. Right. The birds actually that little bit further south than where we are now look a lot darker right? and have that more true Osceola look than even the birds. One, well, shoot, when we pulled down my driveway, there were like five jakes that started running oh, away. Oh, yeah, yeah, folks. This, this guy, he – Every turkey season, he's sending me pics or videos of turkeys in his backyard that are out fighting, like these knockout, drag-out <laughs> fights. Like he sent me the picture the other day of these two birds. They're, like, hitting each other with their heads. They're, they're using their neck, spurring each other. Uh, I mean, I remember last year you were talking about those, like, this stud turkey out there, and he whipped, what, like three other turkeys oh, behind? Yeah. Oh, one yeah. of them you thought actually may have died, like yeah, I'm pretty off sure. died. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that one died. And you have never even killed a bird in your backyard, no. which is insane to me because <laughs> some of these birds, folks, I'm telling you, I think some of them have like 13-inch beards. Like, I mean, they're massive. Like, their heads look like softballs when they're when they're out there. He sent me the picture. I was like, dude, I was like, we could sell hunts out of your backyard. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to trade Osceola hunt for a yeah, whitetail yeah. hunt. If anybody wants to come down to uh, Florida and kill an Osceola, it's like, we'll just put a uh, blindfold on you so you don't know where you're at. <laughs> In the morning time when the bird – but, to, I mean, it's kind of weird because they come different times of the day. They're just kind of cruising through right. in your backyard. Um, he's got some horses and pasture in his backyard where he sees a lot of these birds. And he's also got a feeder, like, in your front yard where you see eight to ten deer throughout the year, like in the morning times or the evening times come. And you can sit and eat out on the front porch and watch oh, a yeah. lot of these deer and uh, turkey. Yeah, so. we actually have had um, about 10 or so fawns since we've lived out here be born on our property. And since it's fenced, they stay in until they can jump out. So it's it's kind of neat watching them. And I promised my wife that I would never hunt anything out here is why I haven't killed any turkeys. It's always the wife. Man. I know, it's always, always the wife. Always the wife, putting <laughs> them stipulations out there. Well, that's cool. I mean, at least you get to kind of see how the, the animals interact and 
uh, you sent me a picture one time of it's like, hey, can you can you find the fawn? It was kind of a cool picture. I actually posted it on Instagram if people want to check it out. And it's like the the fawn looks hidden in that picture. Like you, yeah, it's really hard to find. Like it took me a couple of minutes to find the fawn in the picture, and it's kind of open too. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. It's it's amazing out here. It's really fun to watch. And actually, I've had I think some of my success from turkeys, and I'm not great by any stretch of the means, has come from just watching these birds and seeing how they behave and seeing how they move and and uh, so that's it's been kind of fun I can either enjoy them for one day and shoot them and watch them fall here or I can watch them year round and so it's kind of torturous to watch the big birds walk but it's also kind of nice to hear them gobbling out there in the mornings and oh yeah man that's that's awesome yeah because like I said you get to hear birds gobble in your backyard you'll be out messing around with the horses and want to fire off in the morning times before mm-hmm. you get, get ready to go to work and that's one of my favorite noises or probably my favorite noise in nature is hearing a turkey gobble because I mean we, we're not in elk country or something we can't hear bugles or oh, yeah. anything like that but as far as down south when you hear a bird hammer off that's got to be like the coolest noise oh for woods. sure um, and shoot you've even had folks like I said he's even had eagles swoop down in his yard and grab rabbits and oh, ducks yeah. and all kinds of stuff you, yeah, you see all I've kinds of cool stuff on your property decapitated rabbits and <laughs> I don't yeah and, and, ducks. and ducks here on the property I've watched uh, we had a couple of bald eagles a few years ago that were just tearing critters up um so it's been right. it's been a blast watching yeah all yeah these yeah, yeah you, you've got a nice little piece of property that uh it's not really you don't really have that many neighbors so it's it's kind of cool and you've mm-hmm. got like a big swamp that kind of butts up to the back oh, yeah. of your property so yeah yeah he lives he's got a nice piece of property he, he can't hunt there <laughs> <laughs> he has to go hunt a piece of public land uh, that, that he has to deal with 200 other uh hunters with let's get back so you killed a bird the other morning yes okay so, so go why don't you go into that hunt a little bit all right so well opening morning Right now, I'm kind of the weekend warrior because I take my daughter to school, and then, you know, our schedule is kind of funky. So right now, my wife, when she goes in early, I get to take my daughter to school. So I'm the weekend warrior right now. And so Saturday morning, opening morning of turkey season, I go out there, and I actually ran into a guy, like, and we were like, hey, man, what? I said, where are you hunting? He said, well, where are you going to go? And I kind of told him, he said, well, you're going to have company. Right. And, you yeah. know, it's always that, oh, man, I don't want to run into anybody type thing on a public land. And then you got to remember, too, like, well, hey, we're both out here for the same thing. We want to be out in nature and, and try right. to track down a turkey. And so we quickly started talking about his son. He, his sh- son got to shoot a bird on youth weekend, and his attitude kind of changed, and he started talking about his son. And I said, man, I'm just going to go down the road and see what I can hear down there. There's turkeys everywhere in here. No big deal. Have a nice day. So we left on good terms, and uh, that first morning I I really didn't hear much, and I called in like two groups of hens, several lone hens, and I mean it got to the point where I was sick and tired of seeing hens because there was just no turkeys around, and like I told you. No gobblers. You would figure with that many hens this time of the year because right now, like I said, our season started on the March 16th, so that was just open. This was opening weekend, right? Right. March 16-ish. We've been seeing birds out strutting in fields for, what, almost two months now with yeah. hens and stuff? So yep. you, you think you've got groups of hens coming in that you're golden. there's a gobbler coming somewhere. Oh, yeah. But and no, when, that didn't happen. No, when you tick off that lead hen and she start, you start mimicking her and she gets mad, you're thinking, man, I took the safety off. I'm like, here, here comes big boy. Let's put it in the books. Right. And then they're literally within a couple yards of me, and they're just feeding around, and there's nobody to show. So it was ghost town for me day one. Um, Did you hear anything gobble on the roost that morning? Uh, no, I heard nothing. Okay, so it was like I said, just go straight up ghost town, yep. saw some hens. Just a bunch of hens. 
So the next day, that was Sunday, I was fortunate enough to get out again. And I got out there and I was like, I want to, there's this other little area that where there's some swamp heads that I'm going to hunt around. And so sure enough, like I didn't hear anything for a little while, but then I thought I heard a Jake fire off. And I was like, well, okay, well, I'm not going to go in that direction. I don't want to hear, I don't want to run into a Jake. Right. And then it's one of those things that I could hear dogs barking off in the background. Crows were firing off and I thought I heard a gobble. Okay. And I was like, oh man, I need to get closer. So I walked about 100 yards down this like little dim road. I heard him fire off. So I, I had my mouth call in, and I started cutting real hard with it, and he fired off again. He would double gobble, and I was like, all right, okay, we got a gamer. Up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we got a gamer. All no right, gamer. L- game on. Let's go. Like, now I have a direction to go. This is, this is now what turkey hunting's about. This is the fun part. Right. So I start working my way closer, and next thing you know, like, he's gobbling every time I cut. If I take out... Like, I'm not really that good with a mouth call other than cutting pretty hard and, like, some raspy notes. So if I want to purr and do that sort of thing, I've got a push call I take with me okay. that I can be nice and quiet with. Or I take out my slate call, and I purr to him. And he wouldn't, he didn't sound anything, man. I was I was ready. Like, here here we go, buddy. Here's here's some good, sweet loving over here. Come on. Right. And nothing. And uh, fi- I'd, hit, I'd use my mouth call, and I hit it hard. And he was like, he'd double gobble. And I was like, all right. Well, then I finally got a glimpse of his head on the other side of this swamp, and I was like, oh, shoot, there is no cover in between me and him because he's right on the swamp edge, and so am I. So I ditched my pack. I threw everything down. I kept my mouth call in, and so I'm crawling on the edge of this swamp with my gun, and I know you're a belly crawler too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both uh, <laughs> we're both the running gun turkey guys. It doesn't matter. We're, we'll ditch our packs. We'll if, whatever as long as we have our gun and a mouth call in. We'll we're gonna crawl or do whatever it takes to kind of to get where. Oh yeah. We we know where there's a bird at. Like nothing's gonna stop us for the most part. We take a lot of risk. We're risk takers. We're not kind of like oh you come to us. We're if nothing's happening with us, we're going to the birds. Yeah. So. I'd like to make mistakes getting too aggressive and to just sit back and wait because I do that yeah. during deer season I sit back I, now it's time to get up and go yeah I've done so many there's been so many turkey hunts where you'll sit there and you'll play around with a bird and an hour will go by and just nothing happens like he yeah. never comes in he kind of stays where he's at strutting so I'd, I'd much rather just okay I've given him some time it's, it's time it's go time it's go time all right so you start you yep start so I start move. belly crawling so I I finally get to this spot where I stop and I'm like okay and I see him like, I can barely see those feathers. He's definitely in full strut, but he's behind a bunch of thick palmettos. There's vines hanging down because this is like old Florida swamp. So there's like right around the swamp head will be clear, but then right. just a few yards off of that, it starts getting thick. So he's in that thick stuff working around, and I can't get him to poke out. Find this little log I prop up on, take my safety off, and I'm like, okay, he's definitely coming. He hangs up right about 10 yards from where I've got a nice shooting lane. I hear some birds behind me, and there are a couple of hens. Okay. And I'm like, okay, well, this is good because they sound like I can hear them purring, but I think they're a good 20 to 30 yards back, so he's going to need to come out to investigate. So sure enough, I see him, and he's gobbling still, still in full strut, and because I can see his fan up. And that's pretty much the only thing I can right. see. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't tell. Could you tell how big he was at this point? Did no, you? not really. I saw him. The only time I got a good glimpse at him was when I first saw him on the other side of the swamp. And there was literally nothing but a couple of cypress trees and knees in between me and him. And then, you know, swamp. But So, fi- so I, I'm like, okay, come on, come on, come on. So now he's hung up like 
two feet from where I need to get a shot. And these hens went, walked beside me at six feet. Oh, wow. Just because I'm just Reach sitting there. Touch them. Yes. And so I'm like, okay, he's going to come out and meet them. No, that sorry sucker stayed right there in that, in that thick stuff until they got to him, and then they took off, and I never saw him again. So he gave me the slip. You got the slip. So I got the slip. That was day two, right? That was Yeah, so that was Sunday. Okay. And uh, so I think I came – because I came back into work that day, right? I don't know if you came back into work that day. That may have been a day where you were actually – you knew you weren't going to be able to hunt. Uh, for the basically the majority right. of the next week because you had something you had to do right. work-wise. And you had – I think you developed a plan one time where you got to a bird where he was – you knew where he was pitching down, and that was going to be your game right. plan. Okay, so that was so that was a day we I actually went to work. I got off early the next morning. Okay. And then I knew where he had pitched down, and I took my phone, and I marked a little trail. And I left it pretty thick on the outside, but then once you got in there about five feet – I cut me a nice little trail to stay silent, and I marked it with my phone. Now, this becomes important later. Right. <laughs> because I leave my phone at work, <laughs> of all things, and I don't realize this until I get to the woods. And so I went to go reach for my phone. I looked in all the pockets I normally store it in, and it's not there. So I, I sneak back in there with my light off because it was fairly bright out. The yeah, moon yeah, has the, been pretty the, bright the, the lately. The moon was kind of full around that this first past week of the season like you could you could easily see without a flashlight or anything right getting to where you were going so I set up so I get in there and I'm like I think this is that area where he's pitching down at it's got to be so I sit down and I'm right behind this big like overgrown vine where a tree is falling down and a bunch of vines have grown up and I'm like this is going to be a good spot and I set out two decoy hens just kind of out there right and you're thinking you're close but you didn't have your phone to be able to verify right this was the area that I actually wanted to set up. Right, in. because it's so thick. If you you're either on one side of the thick stuff or you're on the right side. This is day two of hunting this bird, and sure enough, when he sounds off, I'm within 25 yards of his tree. Oh wow! So you were close. Oh, I was danger close. Super close. Nice. And so I I'm like, I, and so I'm thinking, oh yeah, <laughs> this bird is in the bag, baby. I got it. I'm sitting there, and I just do some light tree calling. Well, sure enough, some other hens around me start going. So I put the call in my pocket, call it a day. I'm like, all right, I got all the noise I need around me. He pitches down. When he sounded off, I swear he was just on the other side of that fallen tree with all those vines. Right it, behind you. It, you know, it was one of those when he let out with that gobble, kind of rattled your chest a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he was right no there. And I was like, oh, man. And I debated, should I stand up and just shoot him? And, like, because he might throw his head up and, and surprise. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, he just pitched down. Let me give it a second. Yeah. And so I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And it starts getting lighter out. And I'm starting to notice where I'm at. And I'm like, wait a second. This is, like, literally two feet from where I was the other day. Right. I don't – I'm supposed to be on the other side of this stuff. Okay. And sure enough, I see him – I see his head again. He hangs up. The hens just about crawl over me this time, and boom, they're gone. And I couldn't ever get a shot at him. And he gobbled a couple times to me. Then I heard the direction of travel he went, and I was like, because he would still answer, but he, I could tell he was walking away because it was starting to get fade out. And then I could tell when he turned because that, that 
noise would get louder and louder. Like right. he'd let out a good gobble and then go off. And so I was like, man, he bested me again. That's two times he's given me the slip. And I, I said, man, this bird is going to be my nemesis. So I rushed back to work, grabbed my phone. Everybody was like, hey, you left your phone. <laughs> yeah, hey, you left your phone, dude. I'm like, yeah, I know exactly where I left it to. I left it in my normal spot. I always <laughs> leave my phone, right. take care of paperwork in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I was actually worried because I'm like, well, he, he can't send any texts. He can't call anybody because you've, you've actually been hit by a moccasin out there, but you had your snake boots on yes. once, which that was cra- a crazy story <laughs> as well. So I was telling everybody, I was like, well, if, if no one hears from him or if he doesn't show back up to work and around uh, 10 or 11 o'clock, give me a call, and I'll just go out there just to kind of check on him. Cause <laughs> I was, but you came in early, and your text was like, hey, man, I, I know. I forgot my phone at work. <laughs> yeah, so that was day two. So now, So that was Monday morning. So now I can't hunt again until Saturday. And uh, so Saturday morning rolls around. I've got my phone. I've got everything I need. And so now all I need this bird to do is to play the game the right way, which is my way. You have the plan. I have the plan. (laughs) Done your due diligence and trying to figure out, okay, this is what this bird's been doing. Hopefully nothing happened maybe the night before or maybe that's – or someone has – someone could have shot in that bird as well because this is – Our public land. Public land, yeah. You can't – you have no clue. I have no control. Every time you go out there, you don't know if that bird that you were on the day before or four, four or five days before that is dead or not. So right. that, that's that's one of the difficulties in, in some public land hunting for sure. Oh, yeah. So this mo- so I get up. I get up super early. My wife, whenever I tell her I'm going to go turkey hunting or any kind of hunting, she makes me sleep in the guest room because she's like, no, you get up before – the butt crack of dawn, so yeah, go well, sleep I think that's room. a good compromise. So, let yeah. you go hunt. I'm going to go nah, I'll sleep in another bed. There's no problem. <laughs> right. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'll probably get better sleep anyway. <laughs> so, I wake up. My alarm goes off. Now, in the mornings, I, I, real quick, I got to take care of the dogs, take care of horses, clean some stalls. So, I'm up really early every morning because I'm trying to – I'm t- honestly, I'm trying to get some brownie points, so she keeps letting me do this. Right? Yeah, you keep mama happy, so you yeah. can go out. Happy to the wife, woods happy to, happy life, right? Yeah, man, that makes perfect sense. I, f- I feel you. So I'm on my way to the woods. I'm excited. I finally get there, and I'm like, "All right, this is the morning. This is it." So I set up. I sure enough, I look at my phone. I get on the path. I don't even have my ha- headlamp because it's still really bright out. And I go set up, and I set up in this little like right where the swamp head is. And there's like a couple palmettos, but it's fairly open right there for about 15 yards. And that's where I, like, I'm pretty sure he was pitching down. So sure enough, in the morning, like nobody, nobody was gobbling, nothing. And there wasn't any other hunters in that area, right? Right. Because a lot of times you'll pull up, there might be another hunter. So everything kind of lined up today. Yes. Like no one's in your area. You get to go back there. You're the first one in line. Hopefully someone else sees your car and go, okay, I'm going to maybe avoid that area because someone's right. already here. So. Yeah, and I like the way you said it's my area because – yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's the way I feel when I go out there. Area, this dude. is my spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's how everybody feels. Yeah, right? <laughs> so I get out there. I'm like, okay. I look at my phone. Yep. And I find my path. And I get down. And I sit down on top of this little berm underneath this oak tree. And I'm like, okay. And I set one decoy up, like, well behind me, thinking that if somebody saw it, at least I'd be between me and the hen, and there would be no issue of hanging up. Because right. I've noticed that before, too. I try to get in between me and my decoy if I know where the bird's at. Yeah, that's that's a great strategy because, like I say, sometimes they'll, they'll come a little bit, but they're still they're still maybe hanging out that 40 or 50 yards from 
your decoys. But now if you get in the in between them, then they're within that 30-yard range that everyone likes. Yep. So perfect. So I'm set up uh, in the tree that I'm pretty sure he flew down right behind me the previous hunt. I saw two hens pitch down. I actually saw them pitch down, and I was like, oh. I was like, okay. Well, they made, you know, they were just purring along and putting, and I was like, all right, well, this is good. And But there's nobody gobbling. And I'm like, man, oh, man, where is this bird? And I'm thinking uh, he probably got shot because he was gobbling. Right, yeah, he was, he was, he'd been gobbling. Yeah, he'd made too much noise. Other people got him in my spot. Yeah, in your spot, obviously. <laughs> in my spot, obviously. <laughs> so, so I'm like, man, so I'm kind of like a little bit down because I'm like, man, you know, it's getting crunch time for me because next month is my anniversary, yada, yada, yada. There's life is happening. Oh, yeah. I need to make oh, yeah. this happen now. Right. Of course, it's always got to happen. Yeah, right it's now. always, you always want it to happen that day. So I see, uh, another hen pitched down. So I've I've seen three hens pitch down, or what I believe are hens, and except they pitched down to where I had actually set up by mistake the last two times. Oh wow! So I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Is this the day I should have been on the other th- side of this thick stuff? Well, then luck would have it, I see a big bird hop like from one edge of the uh, cypress to another cypress tree, and then fly down. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And right on the edge of the swamp, and this is about 40 yards from where I'm currently Did sitting. Did he gobble? No gobble? No Just gobbles. Okay. Nothing. And I'm like, oh, man, I think that's a, a good bird. And it's still that, it's now legal shooting light, but I guess I'm turning, well, I, I turned 40 today, so my eyes don't pick up that's things right, like a right. 20-year-old. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a big bird. And I'm like, all right. So keep coming. Well, all of a sudden, a bird gobbles behind me at about 30 yards. And he was headed that way towards those hens. And he heard that gobble, and his all of a sudden, that big, bright, white head flares out. He's now in full strut, and he's walking straight towards me. Oh, yeah. And he starts working his way in and out of some palmettos. And at this end, that turkey gobbled one more time. And he went, he puffed down, and then puffed back up. As soon as he, he did that, he put on a good show for me for just a tad bit. Still never gobbled. Right. And then he went to go look to see where it was coming from, and then I let the old Stoger. (laughs) He died of lead poisoning. He died of lead poisoning. Awesome, Uh, man. So he he, he dropped. He dropped like a sack of potatoes, and I'm like, great. That was like a 30, 35-yard shot or so. Okay. Went down. I fist-pumped, and you know from me shooting things in the woods (laughs) – I called Chase one day after I called I, I shot a deer and I I do these massive drive heaves like all the adrenaline dumps at this point. Oh yeah 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 this huge <laughs> adrenaline dump and you're you call me on the phone and you're like hey man I'm like what are you doing right now <laughs> I just shot one <laughs> so I was like is this for real <laughs> so I get a little excited apparently so people do that I've heard several other people that have that same issue where they go into like they start dry heaving or like they like I say the the dump sh- is just so crazy they can't control <laughs> themselves they're shaking so bad I just which ha- is awesome <laughs> I mean, right you know me I'm not excited I'm not excitable anyways <laughs> hey I shot a turkey it was awesome yeah huh <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so I I shoot this thing I fist pump to myself and like you know I've got a small like turkeys give me the small dry heaves to where it happens like the first couple of steps but as soon as I shoot it. I've seen too many dumb videos where, 
like something dumb happens and then the turkey gets up and runs off. So yeah. I immediately oh, yeah. get up and I walk over there with my gun and I'm like, okay, and he's he's dead. So I went to grab him. <laughs> And that's when he gave me the old death roll. And it scared, it kind of scared me a little bit because I was like, he just folded. Yeah, yeah, uh, I've had that happen too before. You fold one and then next thing you know, they'll just start flapping all over the place for a couple of minutes, it seems like. Oh, yeah. Yep, so he he expired right there and I picked him up. And actually before that, I took a picture and then the sun really started hitting that swamp. And I propped him up and put his tail feathers up against a small tree and took a picture with the swamp in the background. And it's like the background picture to me was just beautiful. And that's that's part of my joy of hunting around those swamps. Is Yeah, yeah, it was a beautiful picture. I remember getting the text, and I was like, this is a picture you could send somebody. Say, this is a Florida turkey hunt. Like, yeah. this is a swamp bird. Um, yeah, that was, that was an awesome picture. Well, before we tell the story of your bird from last year, why don't – I know some of our listeners like to hear about gear – or the technical side of turkey hunting. Okay. And you're, you kind of, you like looking at gear and you're, you're also, you're kind of one of those guys that like loves to try out a new broadhead when it comes out. Oh or yeah. Any type of call. <laughs> you're, you're kind of like me. You're like not really like faithful to like almost any type of thing. You're wanting to try what's new and uh, what's great out there. So let's kind of talk about what is your turkey gun setup? Like if you could talk to the listeners and say, hey, here's what I take out to the woods, uh, the choke, and what type of shells you use when you go out to the woods. Because some of our listeners may have never gone turkey hunting before. so And they may, after listening to the story, may say, oh, I might want to try turkey hunting. So lead them in the right direction for a turkey Oh, hunt. goodness. Lead them in the right direction. Okay. Well, I will lead you in a direction. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Um, so my gun is a uh, Stoger M2000. It's really not fancy at all. Um, it's an inertia driven gun, which means instead of using like some of the shotguns or gas, right. Um, this is just inertia. So you have to shoot a heavy load. Uh, and so when that happens, it ejects the shell and that, that force is what puts your next round in because it's a semi-automatic. Okay. Um, so if you shoot like target loads, you've got to get a heavy target load. Um, okay, with this so gun. it likes the heavy stuff. It's, yeah, if you shoot, like, low-weight brass, it's not going to cycle the rounds through. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so um, I really like it. It's I think it's, a, like, one of those sister companies, a Benelli? Yeah, I believe it is. I believe. Or Beretta, Benelli or Beretta. It's, yeah, it's one of those. Okay. So it's their, like, affordable brand. Okay. Um, and it's, like, a, it's a short, it's actually considered a turkey gun. It's got a shorter barrel. And the choke I use on it is a... Uh, Heavy shot um, turkey choke, full turkey choke. Okay. Um, I at first I had I was shooting it like just like Chase was saying earlier. I'm a I got I like buying new gear just because I love trying new things. Right. <laughs> so I had a jelly head on there for a little bit, and then I started shooting the uh, Magnum blend um, that Heavy Shot makes. Mm. And expensive, I thought, well, expensive rounds. Yeah, they're expensive. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, let me get the Heavy Shot turkey choke. To okay. go with it. Yeah, it makes sense. And I patterned it, and it was awesome out of my gun. Um, and I usually try to buy them after the season so I can get them on sale. Oh, the, yeah. That's, the that's shot shells. Cause, they're really smart. Yeah, because they're, they're expensive. Yeah, yeah, they are. It's like $20, $20 for five, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of the higher price right. But not as much as those TSS rounds that are like 40 bucks for five Yikes. rounds. Yeah, <laughs> I can't justify that. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, I'm not to, there yet, to that level yet. Um, and then, let's see, so that's my gun. Okay. And I love that thing. Like I, that thing's in the swamps with me, duck hunting. It's yeah, you use belly it for crawling. like an all-around type gun. It's not just for turkey. No, game. I use that thing, and I don't treat it very nice. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. It's been. It's actually been a great gun. I mean, you love it. I love it. It feels great. It's like, you know, she's just dirty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just a dirty girl. Just a dirty girl. <laughs> so, um, cool. but yeah, so there's my gun. Um, my The pack I really like um, that I've had for several years, and I'm actually starting to get worried about it, is because I've got a few rips in it now, is the uh, Tactical Tater. Okay. And it was made by Cabela's, and it's got a kickstand on it. So you don't have oh, nice. to prop yourself up against a tree. You can just kind of sit down. Yeah, those are nice because my current one doesn't have that, and it's it's kind of a pain when you're trying to, like, sit back and you don't have a tree to set up on. Right. You just have brush to kind of get up in. Yeah. And those kickstands can be like a lifesaver when you when you have to sit there working a bird for maybe an hour or whatever. So that's right. A, that's awesome. So it doesn't go well with my belly crawling, so I usually ditch it when I need to belly crawl. But otherwise, it's great to – It's a great pack to just sit – back and relax especially because you can brush yourself in anywhere um and then i've always got like well actually i'm looking at my pack right now i think there's literally like five fold-up decoys in there i usually carry a jake and a bunch of hens okay so you got a whole harem yeah i got a whole harem in there and i usually only use one or two like the jake hen combo or a couple of hens okay um but just in case like i have to ditch one because i'm belly crawling somewhere or doing something else and I've set one up and I need to run and gun, at least I've always got an extra one with me. Yeah, that's a good idea. You can just leave it and then you're right. like, oh, I've got four more in the back. And and they're those here. cheap, like really, you know, fold up foldable foam ones. So it's they're it's not like they're I'm carrying around the nice right. big decoys because I like to run and gun, so I'm not oh, yeah. well, set them up. And sometimes hunting public land, if you have something that looks like one of those Dave Smith decoys or Avian X <laughs> right. ones, like they may get shot. <laughs> yeah, so that's true. probably a good idea. You don't want to buy a hundred, hundred fifty dollar decoy on public land because I've heard of that happening where people's decoys have gotten shot and stuff like that. So it probably is a good idea just to get the Walmart special eight or nine dollar one that you can get to stand and mm-hmm. everything. And they just work just as good. I oh mean, yeah. I know uh, my father-in-law, he's killed a ton of birds, and he's got one that he calls Henny Penny, and that thing looks rough, and he's had it for 10 years now. And he, <laughs> he's killed a pile of birds uh, with that single decoy. So that that's perfect. So you mentioned that you like to use a mouth call. You kind of mm-hmm. like it for your, like, raspy tones and maybe reaching out and touching one. And But if you have to purr and stuff like that, you're not great. So you kind of have a – you got a pot call yep. and a little – you said, like, little push call. Yeah, it's like one have. of those push calls. Um I, I think it's made by, like, Quaker Boy or one of yeah. those. Yeah, Quaker Boys. And it's, calls. like, just got, like, a little – it literally looks like a little box, and it's got, like, a little striker on it, and uh-huh. you push it. Yeah. And it's great for just sitting there. When you're sitting there and they're coming in, you can even put it on the ground. And then at yeah, the same time – Yeah, some people put them on their gun, right? I think some yeah, people, some people have too, mounts right? to them. Near yep. their trigger finger. Yeah. And so, sometimes, like, I like that one if they're coming in and I'm sitting there waiting on them. Then I can hit that, and then I'll scratch the ground, too. Like, hey, I'm over here feeding. Yeah, I've had birds gobbled to me scratching in the ground, which is kind of cool. So that's kind of like a, a tip for somebody. It's like, hey, if you're if you're out there calling to them and you got a bunch of leaves, to maybe like kind of scratch the ground some because sometimes they'll be like, oh, maybe there are some hens over there because that's kind of what it sounds like when they're over there kind of looking for uh, whatever they're trying to scratch up underneath the um, leaves there. So you've, you've got those calls. Yep. Do you use a box call or? I actually, <laughs> no, I. The box call I had, I bought, I bought one box call. It was sort of expensive, and I can't stand it. Okay. So I yeah, just yeah, yeah. I don't use a box call really either. Sometimes they're good, kind of if you kind of want to reach out there and touch a bird. Every now and then, it seems mm-hmm. like they can get out there. 
but I, I don't I don't really use one either. And you kind of ha- you got to have chalk and yeah. some other stuff with it. So I, I really don't do much with that. Now, what about a gobble tube? Do you ever use a gobble tube while you're out on public land? Ooh, no way. I do have a gobble tube, um, but I never take it out on public. Okay. Uh, it's funny. It's been sitting in that pocket for I don't know how long. Um, and since I haven't really hunted any, uh, I haven't been in a hunt club in several years. Okay, it's just, that's it's right. been in my tur- it's been in my turkey vest, and so I haven't taken it out. It's like it's out of laziness, I guess. Okay, cool. All right, well, talk about your camo. What do you, what do you go? What all do you put on when you go out to the woods? Okay, so uh, my uh, <laughs> I, I'm dressed head to toe. I love the mossy oak obsession. Okay, that really green, season. you know, because everything around here is blooming. Oh yeah, um, and I really like. I've been accused of wearing like really soft like pants and shirts like everybody's like what is that hunting pajamas yeah 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 um, it looks really comfortable for sure and i the three i have three i have like a real tree apg that i'll use okay um but my favorite is that mossy oak obsession and it's real super lightweight it's got some vents for the armpits and back so in florida during turkey season it gets hot although this year's been wonderful um and then my other pair of camo that i have for just turkey season is uh it's like an old pair of camo, but it's it was made by Mothwing. Okay, yeah, and yeah, it's I got that you remember it's got that uh that leafy pants, oh, yeah, the, the leafy suit. Yeah, so um, and that's my other favorite one. That one get always gets you funny looks when you go into Publix after you go. Yeah, and everybody's like, that. huh. <laughs> so I'm super comfortable, and then I just wear this face mask that I think I've been wearing. It's just like one of those net face masks yeah. for the same one for the past 10 years and I probably have the same hat that I've been wearing for 10 years and it's got like a little like slot up on the brim to put in your mouth calls so I'll keep the one I use oh yeah yeah I I remember that hat that's that's awesome yeah so uh everything is super like I'm all about comfort and my shoes like they're the best boots I've ever worn for hunting okay um those, those are the, the redhead boots. Those redhead boots, yeah. Okay. And those aren't that expensive either. They're like a hundred bucks, hundred and twenty bucks. Yeah, I and think. they're Gore-Tex yeah, lined, shops. and yeah. Um, what's cool. funny is all the gear that I have currently set up is all like redhead gear from Bass. Okay. I mean, it's it's affordable and yeah, yeah. It seems to be working. You're, you're killing some birds, and you and you'll wear your your little snake. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the most in. important. Yeah, I have snake shin guards. Oh yeah, because where you're hunting, there's a ton of moccasins. It seems yes. like. And, and actu- rattlesnakes, too. Yes. And actually, a guy I was telling about, he's like, you belly crawl next to a swamp? And I was like, yeah. He's like, but what about moccasins? And I was like, why? I didn't think about it then. I was honed in on what I had to do. <laughs> and, but, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, dang it, man. I've go. definitely seen, like, right. moccasins wrapped around those cypress knees. And yeah, that's true. Like, I'm like, you know, I don't think about that stuff when a bird's gobbling. My mind goes blank. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've done some dumb stuff, too, going after birds. Uh as probably most people have. <laughs> oh yeah, because <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, that's that's hunting, man. Sometimes you gotta uh, adapt. Well, we've talked about some hunts that you've had this year. We've kind of gone over the gear side of what you like. So now let's kind of break into the main event of okay. this podcast. Yeah, the whole reason I brought you on uh, the show. I've been telling. I told Walter for a while. I'm like, hey, we need to get my buddy on. He's got a great story, a great turkey hunting story that happened last year. As far as I know. Definitely doesn't happen to very many people, kind of what you encountered on this hunt. So, if you don't mind, why don't you start with this story from because uh, was this opening day? This was opening this day. This was opening day of last, last year. year's turkey season. Yep. So, you start with I got out of the truck. 
to the end of this hunt, and then you can kind of give us a breakdown after that. How does that sound? Okay, that sounds good. All right, and if I forget things because I get excited, so just kind of like shake me back into, hey, you skipped a whole bunch because you've heard the story right, I've a heard few the story times. At least five or six times, <laughs> which is a great story, and I don't mind hearing it again for the seventh time. <laughs> okay, so um, opening morning, and opening morning on turkey season to me is like Christmas morning. Like it's so exciting. Oh, yeah, because I'll see guys post, like, on Facebook. It's, like, towards the night before turkey season, and they've got, like, this whole little spiel about turkey oh, yeah. hunting and all that. And there's there's definitely – I mean, there, it seems like there's uh, turkey guys kind of – like, they, they're really obsessed with turkeys. And, I mean, you hunt both, but some people prefer turkeys over deer or deer. I, uh, which I one do you like the best? You like uh, turkey? turkeys. Okay, so you're a turkey guy. See, yes. I'm a deer guy, but, I, I mean, I, I'm they're close, but I still I still prefer the deer. But okay, so bam, you're it's the night before Christmas or the night before turkey season. Right, and all through the, the house, house <laughs> my whole family was sleeping except for this mouse. <laughs> so I get out to the woods and I'm excited. I'm like, here we go. And the the worst part was is like obviously having a kid, the like the transition of how you do things has completely changed. Oh yeah. And I used to go out to the woods and scout a ton. And I've hunted in this general area for years now. So I know the layout of the land, which is like another, like I guess that would be the best turkey tip that I have is get to know the layout of the land you're hunting because you can figure out which way they're going and why you can't get to them sometimes. And right, and you kind of get some historical data to like roosting areas for birds, right. like year after year. Right. So I go back and uh, and I I love this one area because it's two swamps come together and. There's like a path in between these two swamps, and it's probably maybe 20 yards wide when we don't have Hurricane Irma. Right. Um, so this now, I think last year it was still pretty flooded, like way flooded. Um, right. So I get to the edge of this thing, and there's these birds that roost all around these beautiful swamps, and they're like old Florida swamps, like beautiful cypress all that good stuff everywhere. So I there's a creek that runs through there. So I come up on this creek and I'm, I stage there just to see which way I need to head because the swamp, the two swamps together are fairly large, and you can get on one side and then if you get on one side and you hear something on the other, you're never going to make it right. before they pitch down. So I decided to hang up was going to be my strategy because I hadn't been able to do really any scouting, and this way I could hear if a bird fired off. So I didn't. I just sat there. You know, with my gun in my hand, just waiting. Listen, now, are you? Do you ever go in beforehand and do like an owl call or anything like a locator call in the dark? Uh, generally, no. Okay. Um, I actually have an owl call, um, but it's funny. The first day I put it in my pack, it rolled out and it's underneath my driver's seat of my truck, and it's been there the whole season. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know um, some people that like to do that, and then others just wait to hear that first gobble. So, uh, on private land, I would definitely hoot call right makes sense because on public you don't really want to alert everybody right else what's <laughs> like hey, hey i'm over 20 here minutes before daylight there's a bird over here right because so. i okay. don't want the the masses coming running gotcha um so i'm just waiting so i hear one fire off and i'm like oh man and i had a i have or had a double ladder stand in that swamp area where those two cypress those two cypress swamps came together Okay. And because a deer would use that travel path. So, and I was like, man, that sounds like it's kind of over in that direction. So, and it's starting to get light out, but, you know, the bird, birds are chirping. I can hear some hens. 
the turkeys are gobbling, but nobody's read, really ready to climb, you know, fly down yet because it's still fairly dark, especially in the woods. Okay. So I run through there, and uh, and I hit my call one time because I thought I had heard something go down, and I was like, all right, maybe I need a stage right here. And the turkey fired off again, and I was like, all right. So I get closer and closer to where I think I need to set up. So I kind of stop right by my double ladder stand, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to stay here because I'm not quite sure where to go. So I heard some hens, and I heard the turkey fire off one more time. And I, so I said, okay, well, I'm going to get over to this one spot because where he's at was kind of the swamp kind of bends. like It looks like a kidney bean, and I could tell he's in one of that oak in the oak patch on dry land. And then I'm going to try to get to where there's this ridge over here about 60 yards away and see if I can set up and get to him. So finally, I get to a, I get to a, like a little stump, and I sit down, and I put my back up against it. And I'm fairly brushed in. There's some palmettos directly in front of me. Um, I can see through the swamp to that uh, oak head right there. I can see the ridge. I'm like, okay. So I'm I'm set up pretty good. Really, the only shot I don't have is, like, in front of me, which would be in the thick of the swamp. So I'm like, well, I don't need to see that because that's ridiculous. Right. So I start doing some, uh, like, I start doing some calling, and I heard a couple of birds pitch down, and they were across where that um, oak head is. And I'm like, oh, man. I was like, well, I'm close. Like, so I start making my way closer towards that oak head and put my feet like just barely in that swamp to where I can see that where I believe they pitched down at. So I saw a couple of little grayish blue head, heads working around down there. So I called to them and I could tell one did not like me talking. Right. So she flew directly over to me. Okay. And she landed about 20 yards behind me. Perfect. And I'm like, oh, this is good. And then another one came and I'm like, okay. And then a couple more, and he this this sucker was hinned up. He had a bunch of them that pitched down over on my side where I was sitting, and then he still had a few working over there. And so I could tell he hit the ground because he gave out a pretty good gobble, and I'm like, okay. And But Mama Hen was mad that he was on the other side. And I was like, oh, well, this might work out in my favor. And so next thing you know, I'm seeing her, and she is within – 10 to 15 yards of me at this point and she's getting closer and I'm like oh shoot I gotta stay still well all of a sudden I see him. Do you have any decoys out at this point? No I had no decoys just me. All right. And I can see and I I think she was heading towards the direction he was at well all of a sudden I'm like what I was like what is he doing? I was like maybe he's gonna fly over so I kind of inched my way back over to where all the other birds had flown down thinking, okay, so now the swamp is off to my right instead of me directly facing it. Now I'm facing towards this ridge where all the other birds have tried to fly down to. And I'm I'm looking at the swamp to the right to see if I can see when he picks up and comes over. Well, he doesn't. And I'm like, what's going on? I think all the hens over here are on this side at this point. And I'm like, what is he doing? All of a sudden I see this sucker and he is in the water. So the bird is in, in the swamp. The swamp water. In the swamp water. Okay. Less than thirty yards away from me, and I've got a clear shot. Only problem is, is I'm facing, 
90 degrees away from where he's actually at because okay. he is in the water, and I didn't line up to shoot a bird in the water. Yeah, yeah. You, you never no. – a lot of times you hear about water being hindrance. Right. Like they'll hold up to water. They don't so, want to cross it. So I'm watching this guy, and I'm having to sit super still because these hands are all holding his attention over here. Well, he – I guess he decided he was going to show off and do some splish splash. I was taking a bath stuff. Well, he's sitting there puffing up in full strut in chest deep water. So you've got like a he bird. is chest deep. You got scuba bird. Like I got scuba over bird <laughs> over here, and when he he's puffing up, he's slapping his wings on the water. Wow! So he's putting on a, an incredible show then, and gobbling. So he's hitting this thing, bow, bow, and I'm like, what is this bird doing? Like he, I mean, because I couldn't tell what his beard was because that's how deep he is in water. Right. Yeah. And I'm going, this thing is – what I've never heard of this. I've never even – like, yeah, I had, this doesn't make any sense. At the time, I had never heard of anything like that either. I'm just like, what are you talking about, dude? This bird strutting in chest-high water? Yes, and he put on a show, man. So I'm waiting for him to come out because I'm like, you have got to come out over here. Well, he gets behind the palmetto. I'm I'm kind of doing that whole inch thing where I'm barely moving over. So now I'm facing the open water thinking, okay, I'm going to shoot you over here now because apparently this is where you like to strut. So sure enough, I see him on the left side of the swamp, and now I can't do anything here. This is like the stupid cat and mouse game oh, yeah. where I'm losing this whole entire time. So he's strutting, but I could tell he's working his way back. This is fairly early, too. I mean, it all happened relatively quick. I know my stories seem to take drone on and on, but... Right, yeah, this is right at the beginning. Right, right at the beginning where... Fly down time. Fly down time. Birds are starting to pitch down. They're starting to see who's around. Well, he starts coming back, and I'm ready for him. And he pokes his head around that palmetto, and I don't waste a second longer. Right, you're locked and loaded. I'm How far is he away at this time? Maybe 25 yards. Okay, so he's actually pretty pretty close to you. He's pretty close. And so as soon as I see his head clear that that palmetto, I squeeze the trigger. Boom! He goes down. Underwater. Right. And I'm like, uh, oh crud. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I go, I run over there, and he's not fully underwater, but he's, like, in the water. So I, I pick this bird up, and, like, I grab him, and... I'm like shin deep in water, and I've just got like, you know, six-inch tall boots on. So they're filling up with water. I hate getting my feet wet. And I get them, and I just throw him up on to the bank. Right. And I get out of there, and I'm like, I'm more worried about my feet being wet at this point because I've got a fairly long walk back to the truck. Yeah. And so I look down at this bird, and he's got two bands on his feet. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And my first reaction was, I have done something wrong. Right. And yeah, I've killed like, something I shouldn't have. Yeah, because I'm thinking, okay, there's like some private property around. They've banded all their birds. Right. Or, I mean, you hear about banded ducks and Right. I've never stuff, shot one. You don't really hear about banded turkeys. No. So I, I look at this thing, and then I see it's wearing a turkey backpack. So the turkey... He's ready for school. He, he has a backpack on. <laughs> he's ready for school. <laughs> he's ready. He's he's a school bird turkey. Okay. So I look at this thing, and the backpack is only – it's about the size of a shotgun shell, okay. like three inches long or so. Yeah. And it's just – I mean, it's just as wide as one, and it's got an antenna that's about 12 inches long. And it's got two bungee cords that 
are wrapped around its ring wings so that it looks like it's wearing a backpack. And that antenna ran along its tail feathers, and and I was like, oh, my goodness. And I look at it, it says, call FWC, call this number for to report the harvest of this bird. And I'm like, I was like, oh, man, i got to call the man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, come like, on, i got to call FWC after I call like, uh, We don't have to report uh, birds uh, in the uh, tag system. So, Hope I'm not in trouble. <laughs> you, know, you know, and it's funny because you hear about banded birds, like ducks, and obviously people shoot them, but my first reaction, like I took a deep breath and was like, well, it's time to face the music. <laughs> right, exactly. And then I thought, well, why? that would be dumb. So I, I take the band off, I take the b- the backpack off the bird, and I'm looking at it, and I'm more interested in this now because I've never seen this before or heard of this. Yeah. So I call the number, and I'm like, hey, uh, my name's Mike, and I, I, I just shot this bird, and it's a message, and I go on and on about the story of how I shot this bird. And then I'm thinking, wait, can you not shoot birds in a in a swamp? Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, did I just tell on myself? <laughs> right. Let me go back and check the rules real quick. So I'm looking at the number. I'm reading off the numbers on everything. And, and I'm like, okay. And then so now I'm like, well, let me look at my turkey. I've been so interested in this backpack and the bands. I haven't really looked to see this turkey that I've harvested here. Yeah, because you didn't know what his beard or anything looked like at this point. No. I strutting in chest-high water. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm all excited now. Now I've gotten over my fear of calling the man. I did it. I got that out of the way. And now he's waiting on the phone call back. Right. <laughs> uh, well, we're sorry, Mr. Micah. You're going to have to come down, report here, and uh, pay a fine of $1,000 and go to right. jail. Dang. So I get so I finally look at my bird and I'm like, wow, look at this. I was like, this is the ugliest bird I've ever seen. He was hideous. Not <laughs> even the tail feathers were pretty. Like it's the most Well, it was wet too, so that kind of Yeah, oh yeah, and it was wet. So if you imagine like your son drawing a turkey. Right. That's what this turkey looked that's like. That's what it looked like. Okay. It was terrible. <laughs> so I'm looking at the thing. I'm looking Sorry, at its head. It is so scarred up. And I'm like, this bird looks like, and he, he's like, he's got a scar on his beak. He's got a scar all over his head. Like he had one that went right over his eye, but he, it still looked like he had sight before he got a shot. But, I mean, you could tell, like, he's, and I was like, man, this bird is hideous. So I start, I start looking at the fan. I'm like, it's not even pretty, but I can't wait to mount this just like it is. Right. And so then I look at his beard, and his beard was, I don't even, I, I've got it in my freezer still. I haven't done anything with it, but. I can't remember how long I said it was, but it looks like somebody has taken a pair of scissors and cut the beard off like two inches right out of his breast, like halfway through the, the beard. So it was only half as thick as it should have been. Right. And it's white on the ends of those things. And I'm like, man, if FWC trapped this bird and they put the backpack on him, maybe they snipped part of his beard yeah, to get something. Yeah, they took a sample or something. Right. So I'm looking at this bird's feet now, and I'm like, they're they're like really I mean obviously turkey feet look scaly, yeah. but these just look like nasty, like nasty turkey feet. Yeah, I'm like, what have you been doing, buddy? And I get him back to the truck. He's soaking wet. I'm wet now. My feet are wet. And I get him back to the truck, and I'm still looking at him. I'm like, this bird is hideous. I'm like, I can't believe this. This has got like they had to have done something to this bird. Like, did that? What? What happened? Right. <laughs> so now, you know, I called you, and I was like, dude, I just shot this bird with a backpack. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I can remember. And um, that call. And so I was really excited about it now, and uh, nobody would return my phone call. Like I tried multiple times. I was like, and I probably was a little obsessive calling because. 
I was thinking, whoa, maybe they can give me some information about this bird. Right. Um, so sure enough, a guy calls me back, and he said, hey. He said, uh, where are you? And I was like, well, actually, I've been showing this backpack off to all my buddies. I said, I'm, this is where I'm at. He's like, you're right around the corner from where our office is. Would you come in and bring it back to us? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I go in there, and there's all the bird biologists. And I'm like, hey, like I shot this bird. And they – and the guy's like, awesome, man. That's what we want. We want people to shoot these birds. Okay. So actually turned to like they weren't upset at all. They were happy that you shot right. the bird. So <laughs> they are doing a whole thing on, you know, they've got these things are GPS located. Like that's what, that's the, backpack what the backpack is. Was. Okay. They've got GPS locators, and it sounds like they have some sort of th- device that they carry with them and that it pings them when they're in a certain distance. Like of this, and I I want to say it was like two miles. It was something. Oh wow! It was some ridiculous number. I I maybe have gotten Probably that about right. Um, and so I start asking him questions. I'm like, well, I was like, can we start at the beginning? Like, how do you how do you do this? And the guys like, we set out some corn piles on some like like management area that isn't allowed to be hunted on, and they sit in ghillie suits with net guns. Oh, cool. And they tag these turkeys. And I'm like, can I do that with you? I was like, <laughs> I've shot a shot. I've saw, shot one with a bow and a shotgun. Right. I've never shot one with a net gun. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds awesome. awesome. So they laughed. They said, no, no, no. And I'm like, well, what can you tell me about this bird? And they said, well, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of information on it. And I said, oh, well, why not? He said, because when they got this bird, he said they kind of net it. And they wait till it calms down a little bit, and then they they kind of hold it upside down, get the get the uh, leg bands on, and then strap on the backpack. And he said, usually we get a weight on the bird while it's in the net. The net we we get beard length, we get this length, spur length, approximate age, blah blah blah. He said they didn't get much because the sucker never calmed down. Oh wow! And he said he was. They said he was so angry they were pretty sure he wasn't going to make it. And that's according to their notes. Right, they wrote notes down in accordance with the number. He had a, right. the, his band, his right. band had line a, up with had, it. had a band number which matched the GPS number, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay, cool. Um, so they, had, they said, yeah, we didn't get a weight on him. He was a smaller bird. Um, and so I was like, well, what about this beard? Like, it looked like you guys, did you guys take a sample of his beard? And they're like, no. They said that was, it, it's common and wet area birds that it gets brittle okay. and it breaks off because they're constantly wet and they're constant their nutrition isn't as diverse as other birds who get woods, fields, some swamp. Okay. And so they said this guy had some bird rot or whatever they call it. Right. Yeah. And it was or like beard rot. rot. And I said, Well the feet were terrible too. They said, Yeah, that guy spends all the time in the water. They said when we saw him he was in the water. Wow. And I was like so you guys know about this? They're like, yeah. He's like, it doesn't happen very often, but you'll get a bird that likes the water and decides that that's his territory. So he spends most of his time in the swamp, and that's why his feet look so gnarly. That's why his beard had beard rot. Right. And they said he was such a scrapper that they thought he was going to die before the season because they thought they had stressed him out so much. I can see that. Uh, beforehand. And so apparently they said he was a fighter when they saw him. He was fighting everybody and his and their cousins. 
And so I was like, all right, well, I shot a, the old swamp scrapper. Yeah, the old swamp scrapper. <laughs> so he wasn't the biggest bird, of, but it was the most unique set. I, I mean, in the water? That's Yeah, yeah, you don't hear a story about a bird strutting in the water, and then you really don't really hear that many stories about a bird being banded with a GPS tracker on, they, and you can call a number and get all the information on this bird because I think they told you that this bird was two and a half. Like, they had – Right. Age range did it like one and a half. Right. And they found it, and then it was at this point it was probably two and a half. Right. And then so I was like, well, do a lot of people return these? Like, how does this work? And they said, well, what's funny is some these the, the GPS trackers obviously have a certain battery life. Right. Whatever that life is, and I'm sure it's good nowadays. But yeah, they said they really have good. pinged them, and that people like have mounted them, like full body mounts. With these GPS trackers on so them. So they went up to <laughs> so like somebody's <laughs> house and was like, hey, there's hey, our GPS tracker. <laughs> like, oh, you've got one sitting in your yard. And I was like, well, how sense. much are I mean, these that's things? That's cool. So they're, they're 200 bucks a pop. Wow. I was like, well, yeah, so do I get like a guided turkey hunt since I returned this thing to you guys or what? <laughs> yeah, what do I get out of this? And so one of the biologists that was there actually had netted the bird because she recognized her initials okay. for it. And she said he actually spurred her. And she had to fill out like an accident report, I guess, on her hand. Dang! So you did from, have Mr. Scrappy. So he was a scrap. He was a scrappy young lad. <laughs> he was. Um, so that was probably the most unique turkey hunt I have ever been on, and just because of everything of being banded, and he was in the water strutting and putting on a show. Yeah, that that was definitely an awesome story, and that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast to come talk about hey. I've killed a bird with a with a backpack on. It's the it's the backpack bird banded, and and he was a swamp swamp bird. You don't really hear about that a lot. You don't hear about birds like I say. I always heard about them avoiding water. Like they don't they they like to roost over water, but you never right. hear about one pitching down in the water, strutting, splashing around, trying to get attention from hens. So the whole like dynamic of that story is is probably like a once in a lifetime yeah. type hunt for somebody. Um, I mean, if it happens again, cool. I was like, I, it's never happened to me. It's never happened to any of my buddies. I've never, I've never heard of anyone tell a story like that. So, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah, I'm sure all of the listeners will uh, get a kick out of the story, and it was kind of cool to get like the information about the bird as well, because you you never really know what how a bird lives or how how old it is. So you got all of that out of that hunt, right? Too. So that was awesome. Um, well, everybody, uh, it was great having Mike on the show. Uh, you have an open invite to come back on, especially if you kill another banded uh, turkey. <laughs> yeah, right on. Let's do it. <laughs> um, well, everybody, our spring into turkey giveaway is ending this Friday, 329. I'm going to try to drop this episode hopefully tomorrow on 328. So you still are going to have just a little bit of time to go on, fill out a review on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. You can give us whatever – Whatever you want to write down is fine. Maybe give us some constructive criticism or what what else you'd kind of like to see on the show. We always like that type of uh, feedback when we get it. And we'll put you in for the giveaway. Like I said, we're going to do that drawing on Friday. As of right now, I think there's probably maybe 13 or 14 entries. So you have like a really great chance to win the Jake decoy. It's a, it was a couple of uh, Lynch mouth calls, a box call, and a lay duck outdoor edge knife so i think all of that is is at least a hundred dollar value giveaway so if you would please fill out the review on itunes and until next time y'all be good